Amen and amen. And all right, this is week two of continuing education. I was out for dinner this week, had a wonderful time, and the phrase continuing education units came up, and I go, ta-da! See, I don't make this stuff up, man. I bring it from from real-world aspects. And so last week was uh, 18-year anniversary, and so, you know, if you're like my sister or my daughter, my daughter has a birthday month. You know how that works. Maybe I'm having an anniversary half month. I don't know. Anyway, but uh, we're going to continue on and finish up this little study. So what do pastors actually do? I want you to know the more I study and these silos that Dr. McIntosh gives us, the more I, I love what I do, I'm reminded of what I do, but I also realize how much more there is off of those silos. It's, it's like seeping groundwater, you know, it just goes all over the place. And it is still difficult. At the end of this message, you're going to go, okay, I understand a little better. But if you were to ask Josh or Chuck or I, it'd still be very difficult for us to explain to you the, the, the far-reaching role of being a pastor. Uh, from the viewpoint of some, the pastor works only on Sundays and Wednesdays. And guess what? Not working on Wednesday, so look at me, a whole week off. <laughs> it's good. Yeah, I had someone Wednesday, I can't remember, I was somewhere, and they go, they go, well, what are you doing here? I go, well, it's Wednesday, and I got to work, you know. Only two days a week. I'll show those bankers what good living is. Anyway, but uh, this is building off of a wonderful uh, work by Dr. McIntosh entitled The Ten Roles of a Pastor. He's done a great job, and uh, like I said, it, it's not an exhaustive thing. You know, you, know, you know you're a pastor when you read something. Where's Josh? Josh, tell me this isn't right. You know you're a pastor when you read something. You go, well... I wouldn't necessarily wrote it that way. <laughs> right, Chuck? See, Chuck's laughing loudest because he's the one that's the worst at it. Yeah. Everything. Everything. <laughs> anyway, so let's quickly review the hats that we talked about last week. The speaker hat. Well, we all understand what that is. The Apostle Paul said, I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable. And teaching you publicly and from house to house, I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole purposes of God. And then he goes on in 2 Timothy and he says this, preach the word. And I want you to know any pastor worth their salt should be ready to preach, to pray, or to die for the gospel of Jesus at any moment and in any place and for any reason. Amen? Amen. Amen. Anyway, all right. Number two. The captain's hat, this is when you're pointing the church towards the future. And guess what? I know what the news may be saying. I know what the papers may be saying. I know what all the prognosticators may be saying. But the church has a future, amen? amen? God created it. God sustains it until he comes back for it. It will survive. It may be different. It may not be your granddad's church no more. You remember back when we could come to church, Jeff, and all you had to turn on was the lights and flip the switch for the audio board. That was all it was. It was easy back then. But the church has a future. Why? Because as long as Jesus tarries his return, the church has a purpose. The church has a, a, a responsibility. And we are the church. The building is where the church gathers. But you and I, believers in Jesus Christ, we are the church 
And we have a future. Why? Because Jesus says so. Number three, we have the coach's hat. This is when we're trying to inspire people to be the best they can in life and ministry. Believe it or not, we want you to have the very best things in life. We want you to have the very best that God has to offer you. Now, that doesn't mean that every rose doesn't have a thorn because you know the song says, you know. And I'm judging all of you for knowing what that song is. But the coaches had is when we're, is the response we have inspiring people to, to give your best and pursuit of the best from God and from life. The executives had is when we're managing people, programs, and expenditures. Yeah, we got to talk about roofing this week. <laughs> I'd rather be hit with a ball peen hammer, maybe twice. But it's part of it, it's part of it. The executives had, no one tells you in Bible college, oh, by the way, you get to do these things. The director's hat, this is uh, discipling others to follow Christ and to serve him with their gifts. The director's hat is to help you follow him, become like him. That's discipleship. So let's pick up the counselor's hat. Now I have to say, this is one of my favorites. The counselor's hat is worn each time a pastor meets with people seeking help with personal problems and issues. Now, I love, the pastor, I love the counselor hat because many times this is where ministry and need meet the road together. Now, the thing about being a pastor and a counselor is this. You're always half on. You never know when, you never know where, and you never know what you're going to get to counsel on. Tuesday morning, before my alarm went off, I was not awake, unlike today, and I receive a message requesting counseling. Are you available this morning? ASAP. And I pick it up, I'm like, okay. So I went from the shower straight into a counseling session. That's the way life goes sometimes. Sometimes you happen up on someone at Brookshire's. Hadn't seen you in a while, Pastor. You got a minute? Yeah. Yeah, it happens that way. How many of you guys were counselors at camp? Yeah? Okay. Some of you, man, a lot of you guys just miss smooth out, right? <laughs> Counseling at camp is awesome most of the time. And sometimes being a, count, uh, being a counselor is much less like at camp. It's often akin to a camp counselor who cares for campers, nurses small scrapes and bruises, and medica uh, mediates disputes, all in the hope of getting through the week with no major injuries. Amen. Sometimes it's kind of like that, you know. Oh, Jared got a boo-boo. Let me put, the, you know. We put this Band-Aid on you. You're going to make it, little fella. You know, Jesus still loves you. I mean, we, you know, sometimes, man, that's what it is. It's just the, just the tending of little things, you know. Sometimes it's, it's kind of like the firemen, the firefighters, the paramedics. I was having dinner with a paramedic and talking about that adrenaline junkie. Yeah, listen, sometimes, man, you get that phone call and you get to hit, I mean, boom, you're in it. You're in it. And uh, I'm not going to say I don't like that. It's hard, and I don't wish that upon you. Uh, but, 
there's something really energizing about being called into a moment of need and bringing Jesus and his, his truth and his love and his grace and his mercy into that need. And uh, uh, there is a, an adrenaline to that, that's for sure. So the captain's hat, the counselor's hat is, uh, the counselor's hat's also the most exhausting to wear. That's true. This is one of the reasons is this, is every time you do a counseling session, it's hard to turn that off in your brain. It's hard to turn that off in your heart. You carry that with you wherever you go. Uh, I'm still thinking on that counseling session I had Tuesday morning. And you, you play the usual thing, you know, did I, give, did I give good counsel? Was I a good listener? You know, and those sort of things. But the counselor's hat can be the most rewarding, but it also can be the most exhausting. You can have positive meetings like wedding planning. I've got a couple uh, right here this morning. I'm not going to call their names, but they're over in that way over there, aren't they? Uh, they we're going to do wedding counseling today. Amen, right? Fun stuff. Amen. Amen. Well, I mean, it's exciting. Weddings are exciting, you know? Uh, negative meetings. This is where maybe a marriage is uh, um, struggling uh, or perhaps at its in conclusion. The melancholy meetings, you know, when you meet with folks who've lost family members and or perhaps have family members that are struggling with ailments. That, that's a tough meeting. Uh, caregiving meetings, when you're advising on career issues. It's tough when someone comes and asks you advice on their career because, man, you want to give them their, your counsel and you, man, you really want it to be good and right. Managing conflicts or listening to complaints. I know it's hard for you to imagine anyone would have a complaint, but, you know, but we do, we do. And all of those things and so much more fall under this. Pastors counsel other pastors. Listen, we love you guys. Pastors love their sheep. But unless you are one, it's hard to understand what it, the life of one is like. You know, it, it, it's like a lot of other vocations. And uh, pastors will seek out counseling from other pastors because you have an understanding. Maybe you've been through that um, experience yourself. It's just... And it's rewarding, but now you're, you're taking on the responsibility of speaking into and receiving from not only a peer, but it could be something in their church. And so now you're, you're carrying the load of that fellowship uh, in your mind and your heart as well. Uh, sometimes pastors counsel other organizations. We serve on boards and those sort of things. Um, I, I was called in uh, to visit with one uh, board that was looking on trying to decide a very significant uh, move on their part. And, and you get called in and you get asked for guidance and wisdom and those things. And, and I can just say for myself, man, I, I want to be right. I want to give them what God would have me to give them. Because what Jimmy has isn't that great, but God is always on time. <clears throat> As pastors know, there are eternal ramifications when wearing the counselor's hat and there is uh, no need to the end of people's need no end to the end of people's needs um, some might call that job security I don't know but hey listen as long as we're alive we're going to have needs and we're going to have need of someone to talk to and and I want you to know I counted a privilege when you invite me in uh, into your life and into your your circumstances and trust me for some guidance and I know I speak for Chuck and Josh and, and uh, Jeff as well. <clears throat> then we move on to the student's hat. Now, this is one. 
by wearing the student's hat, pastors illustrate that leaders are learners. Now, if you ever meet a pastor and he goes, yeah, I think I've learned it all, <clears throat> he's a liar um, <clears throat> because you don't learn it all. I've mentioned this before, and, it, and it's just so true. I'm going to mention it again. Hold on. <laughs> Hold on. Talk amongst yourselves. <clears throat> Thank you. When I started Bible college, my professor, the first night I was there, walked in, and he put a dot down here on this side of the wall, and he walked all the way over there, and it, it was a good 20, 25 feet. Josh, how long is that big? You know that big room at Criswell? Yeah. How long is that marker board? What do you think, 25 feet? At least. Josh knows. He's done time in that room too. But he put a dot over here and he put a dot down there and he goes, This is what you know and this is what you don't know. And he says, And once you arrive here, then you're going to realize how much you don't know. The more you know, the more you realize you don't know. It's maddening, but it's true. Pastors are learners. We're called to be learners. We should, by nature, desire to be learners because. There's always something more. There's always another strata to dig down into. Uh, they know that uh, most, excuse me, they know that mu they must continually upgrade their knowledge, skills, and abilities on a regular basis. Fruitful pastors know that they never graduate, but we always, we always remain on the campus as undergraduates. Yes, tis true. What got them there? What got, okay, all right, dyslexia, let's party. What, <laughs> what got them to where they are today will not, get, will not get them to where they want to be tomorrow. That's true. Jeff, how much has changed in 18 years? Oh, man, that list that your bride made last week was not exhaustive, but it was long. Oh, man, 18 years. <laughs> yeah. So... <clears throat> I just want to give you just a taste, okay? So there was a time in church when all you needed for church was to turn the lights on, turn the soundboard on, and that was about it. Well, it's not that easy today. So part of the responsibility of the pastors and the volunteers that serve alongside of them when it comes to technology and the church See, you guys roll it in here, and you're like, hey, man, this is awesome. Lights are on. Can, climate control's good. I can hear all those things. Look at the pretty pictures on the TVs. So I want to give you an idea of the technology that is being utilized to provide for you this service right here, right now. We'll just let that populate. You got, you got Facebook. You got you got Tisley, uh, uh, Twitter, the internet, Uversion, Dropbox, podcast, YouTube, email. It's not being used right this second, but you have Streamyard, Easy Worship, Logic, NDI, PowerPoint, Eero, and Sweetwater. And that's not all of it. All of that technology is being used right now for you to have church, and for those of you at home. And part of the responsibility as pastors is to know this, this and to utilize it. Now, this didn't just show up one day, did it, Josh? We didn't have a salesman come and go, hey, man, 
You want to buy a little bit of this, a little bit of that? No, you see needs and you respond to needs and you see opportunities and you respond to opportunities. You, you try and you fail and you try and you succeed. All of this technology begins with the leaders understanding need and opportunity and evaluating those things. And then not only do you need to find them, understand them, evaluate them, but then you've got to balance them on the pin of the head of a pin of a needle on cost, Jeff, right? Money matters. It takes ministry. It takes money to do ministry. However, you got to balance that cost. And I just want to say this. I am so thankful for my team. We take great pride in being cheap. <laughs> I'm just saying. Josh, am I lying? Frugal? Oh, I like frugal, but sometimes we cheat. We're frugal a lot, but sometimes we just cheat. But I want you to know, I'll give you an idea, okay? For those of you who are new to us, right? 18 years. In 18 years, this fellowship has snail mailed, that means stick that stamp on it, one envelope. We have not put anything in your mailbox in 17 and three quarters years. You didn't go, oh man, it's from them again. Not us. Mm -mm. Because 17 and a half years ago or somewhere back then, we began to realize there was this thing. It was called email. Could this be a thing? Well, guess what? It's a thing. And we committed to that. Now, Jeff, you're, I'm gonna, you and Josh, you need to come up with a number like right now, okay? I will not go on until you give me a number. How much money have we spent and have we saved in 17 years? I'll wait. <laughs> 35 cents. How old are you? What's a stamp even cost these days? $3? Got million, one million dollars. And I judge you for knowing what that means. <clears throat> now, I say that, and it is funny. However, that's one of the responsibilities of the pastoral leadership is to understand where, to try to best understand where we're going and to be there as best we can, as it meets the needs of us, but even greater, hear what I'm about to say to you. All of this effort is for you, but not exclusively to you. The podcast, the webcast, all those things, it's for you. We have folks right now from our fellowship who are online. You know, Maybe they're off on spring break vacation and they're worshiping with us wherever they are. That's awesome. We have people away on work. That's awesome. But you know, there are people who are watching this or will watch this or listen to the podcast who may still be trying to be deciding about Jesus in a church. I want you to know it's greater for them than it is for us because we have ours. But technology is an incredible responsibility. The pioneer's hat, the pioneer. Uh, declares a desire and a willingness to evangelize the lost by moving in 
to territory and doing ministry in new ways. Oh, my. We were pioneers, Jeff. I need my coonskin cap. I'll be looking for that. Pioneers commit themselves to evangelism. I am unapologetically evangelistic. Like we sang earlier, I want to tell everybody about somebody who saved my soul. I want this building to be so full, you don't even get close to sitting by someone you know. I want to see men and women, boys and girls, come to know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. And I will never apologize about that. The entire human race would extinguish itself in about 100 years if babies ceased to be born. Without new Christians birthed through the gospel on a regular basis, churches face decline as well. Yes, churches can die out. It can happen. I know, I know. You're asking yourself, you had not given us anything free yet. Well, here we go. Japan is in a population crisis. Let's take a survey. Are they overpopulated? You think they're overpopulated? Rich, hand up. Put them up. Commit to that vote. Huh? All right, how many say their crisis is a lack of population? How many of you are just afraid to commit? Japan is in a crisis. Why? Last year, they experienced twice as many deaths as they did births. The current birth rate in Japan is 1.34. They must have at least 2.07 if they're to keep the population rate as it stands right now. If they continue the trend, like last year, their population will decline from a projected 125 million to 88 million by 2065. And you know what happens if you stay on that? This problem gets exponentially worse. Not only is Japan in a birth rate crisis, so is Russia, so is China. Because people are making a lot of different decisions when it comes to that. But listen, you don't sustain who you are without reproduction. So the question we need to ask ourselves, ALF, is are we pioneers or are we settlers? You say, well, what does that mean? Well, we could be settlers. And that's what the, this is what that means. We've got ours. Jeff, we're within 10 years of paying this campus off. This sweet adorable, old, like a grandma's hug campus. We got ours. You know what, Greenville? You just go do whatever you're going to do. We got ours. I love the people I go to church with, and you know what? Don't want to put any more spice in that pot because you know what they say, a little bit goes a long way, a little too much ruins the whole thing. Don't need it. Oh, every now and then someone will show up, and we'll give them that line, hey, you come as you are. But really what we're saying is, you come as you are, but you get to be just like us as quick as you can. Hey, right, prove me wrong. Settlers. Listen, there's a lot of Christians who are settlers, and there's some churches that are settlers. Brothers and sisters, Christ did not call us to be a settler. If you're settling... That's problematic. Because if you're a settler, that means you're settling for what 
you have. And God says that his graces are new every day. His blessings are new every day. My friends, every day there's something more to do with Christ, for Christ, by Christ, and the blessings abound. Christ never called his children to be settlers. Never, ever, ever. Or are we pioneers? Oh, I remember asking the little ALF, what would you be willing to do to make the threshold of this door just a little bit more narrow? See, for you and me, the thresholds of this building, they don't mean anything to us. We're comfortable and accustomed to walking in and out here because this is home. But those folks out there, for some of them, that threshold right out there is like the Grand Canyon. You don't know where they've been. You don't know what their experience is. You don't know what they're feeling. You don't know. But the question we have to ask is if we're going to be pioneers, what do we do to make the threshold of that door as skinny as possible? Because either the doors are open to everyone or I'll personally lock them to everyone. Or you can have my keys, whichever one you want. But we have to ask ourselves on a regular basis, ALF, are we pioneers or are we settlers? I'm going to tell you this. This is the greatest time in human history to be alive and living for Jesus. You say, man, the world's just going crazy. It sure is. And guess what? They're feeling a little uncomfortable out there. They're looking for a little hope. They're looking for a little love. They're looking for a little purpose. They're looking for a little something beyond this life. Guess what? Jesus, Jesus, um, Jesus, Jesus. First, we must believe in the power of the gospel. For I am not ashamed of the gospel because it's the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. First to the Jew and then to the Gentile. Do you believe in the gospel? Do you really believe it? If you believe it, you need to be sharing it. Thank you, Josh. You see, we say we believe, but do we believe it enough to share it? Because the world tells you, don't want to hear it. That's fine. You don't want to hear it? All right, next. You'll never run out of people to have the opportunity. Number two, we should expect the gospel to bring growth when it is proclaimed. Guess what? The gospel works. Unlike many of the diet pills we buy. I planted the seed, Apollos watered the seed, but God has made it grow. My friends, we are called to water and to plant. God's in charge of the growth. Let me tell you this, God always grows. Woo, man, I'm getting fired up. I don't need a sixth cup of coffee. Colossians says this, the faith and the love that spring from the hope stored up for you in heaven and about which you have already heard is in the true message of the gospel that has come to you is the, in the same way the gospel is bearing fruit and growing throughout the whole world. When you think that the gospel is, well, it just isn't doing anything. You're not looking close enough. You're not looking far enough. My friends, God is doing incredible things in our world. Don't get so hung up into being an American Christian that you think this is the only place things happen. Uh, nope. Since the day you heard it and truly understood God's grace. Number three, everyone in our church must demonstrate the gospel. What's everyone mean? That means all of you, Hanyaks. 
Oh, you don't like being called a honyok? That's funny right there. A new command I give you, love one another. What if everybody in every church actually loved each other? What a novel concept that would be. What a, wow, what a crazy thing. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. And by this, everyone will know that you are my disciple if you love one another. The other day I was out to lunch. I know you're surprised. And I was sitting close enough. Not that I was eavesdropping. My bride will testify. I have got some incredible earbuds right here. Earbuds. Copyright. T-shirt. To my left, not immediately at my... Not immediately at my nine, but about right back here at about my seven, my seven o'clock. There was a table, four people. And you know what they were having as an entree to their lunch? Their pastor. They were eating him alive. That's problematic because I happen to know who that is. Now, I just want you to know, some righteous indignation swelled up in me because I wanted to do this. Well, you know, sometimes the right answer at the wrong time is still wrong. And I thought to myself, because I was thinking of this. Okay. Hey, I'm not perfect. Man, and, and you know what? If you want to come and talk to me about that, if you love me, then let's talk. But this is what I do know. Is everyone who could hear them, they're not interested in whatever gospel they're selling. You see, too many times we as the church eat our own. And the world, you know what? They don't need that. Why? Because they do it already. Hello? Social media, anybody? If we're going to be pioneers, then we're to call to love each other. Will we have disagreements? Well, certainly we will. We're going to have a disagreement here in just a minute, trust me. Are we going to have disagreements? Yeah. Is our loving and living with each other eventually going to maybe some sparks? Yeah, maybe every now and then. But you know what? We can come together and we can reason together. And we can show grace and humility. We can seek forgiveness and we can give forgiveness. Man, what a novel concept that would be. Listen, if we do that at a high level with consistency, the world will beat down our doors to get into it. Number four, we go into our mission field and connect with unchurched people. What a concept. God wants us to have friendships with unchurched people. Why? Well, we need to love them. We need to get to know them. We need to serve them. We want to earn that right what? To share the gospel. You, it's okay. You see, if you're a settler, then I'm settling for mine and no more. That's not what God calls us to. We've got to go into our mission field and build loving, meaningful, genuine relationships with people. Number five, everyone in our church needs to be a contagious inviter. Who's responsible for inviting people to church? You are. 
You are. Do you know how many people I invite to church and they walk over and they go, well, that's the pastor's job. Well, in part it is. You know, oh, man, you ought to come to ALF. Listen, <laughs> man, I love it, but <laughs> I am a little bit prejudiced. They expect me to do that. We should all be inviting people to church. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who had heard John and then said, uh, John had said and went, uh, went, it's, man, you know, when you dance with a bear, you only get to stop when the bear wants to stop. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, we have found the Messiah and he brought him to Jesus. Over 25% of our culture today has no pre, pre-recollection to going to church. Over 25% of Greenville today did not wake up and go, gosh, I might go to church. I might not. They don't have any concept. None. They, they never go, oh, I miss church. Over 25% of your mission field on Easter won't go, oh, it's Easter. Maybe I should go to church. No. They won't. What they're seeking is hope. We must position ourselves as a place of hope, which means a place of healing, restoration, and redemption. The world is starving to death for that right there. Pioneering innovation never stops. Oh, it's like Tetris. It never stops. Throughout history, changes in society has driven changes in the church. You do have to change. This is not your great-grandfather's church anymore. However, the methodology changes. The message never changes. Amen? That, you guys weren't loud enough for that. The message never changes. Amen? Listen, if you want to walk in, and walk out because you're not interested in the message, that is your privilege. But I'm going to do everything I can to invite you to walk in. And that means what? Well, you remember that slide about technology? The conductor's hat, let's quickly go on. The conductor's hat represents working with people of numerous talents, abilities, and skills. Oh, man, you guys are some of the most talented people I've ever known. And the musicians are the hardest. look to someone and say, this is going to hurt. Do it. Look to someone and go, this is going to hurt. Now look to someone else and go, it's going to really hurt. Oh, man, this is going to hurt. Ronnie, never let it be said. I would not give the church the best I could find. Being a conductor is much like... I prayed three times, Lord, remove this. Now, listen. The A&M marching band is easily one of the greatest on the face of the earth without a doubt they are incredible 
Now, this entire team, which I'm going to assume, let's just call it 200, shall we? I don't know. This 200-piece band have talents, skills, energy, enthusiasm, and want to. All of them are guided. Hold on, I wasn't done yet. Get back. By that guy right there. That one guy. He waves his hand this way. Guess what? They all go that way. He waves his hand that way. They go that way. He waves his hand that way. They go that way. Why? Because he's conducting. They've all come together and chosen to work together for a greater good. And we're going to follow that guy. Conductors work alongside of. You see, it's great to work alongside of you. So many gifts, so many talents, so much wisdom and experience. What a great privilege it is. Pastors directing people so they work together in unity brings out the best in the church. Amen? Man, when we're doing it together, it is awesome. I love campus care days. Everyone comes together and they're just doing things. And Jeff, won't let, uh, Jeff Ronnie won't let me play with power equipment. The essence of the conductor's hat is the ability to recognize the ability in people and get them working in harmony with others. A conductor, the pastor promotes the environment that inspires people to serve and motivates people to participate. The pastor is constantly team building for now and the future. Say for now and the future. Remember what I told you? Church has a future until when? Jesus comes. The pastor must think and live with a future in mind. A future that may not include him. If the Lord tarries one day, I won't be the pastor of authentic life. Now, I'm, I'm not gonna, I'd be lying to you if I told you they didn't pay me just a, just a scooch. But if the Lord tarries... As your pastor, one of your pastors, I must build for the future. Why? Because unless Jesus comes. And how do we team build quickly? Focus on people rather than programs. You are who Jesus died for. Amen? Amen. Too many pastors spend too much time and burn too many relationships for the sake of the program. Jesus didn't die for programs. Jesus died for people. You are the most precious thing in this fellowship. God forbid that we would burn you out for the sake of a program. In fact, I know that we as a leadership team are very, very conscientious of that. Model offstage ministry. I would never ask you to do anything that I'm not willing to do myself. Why? Because I'm a servant just like you. You're a hard-working bunch of people, and you know what? You deserve a hard-working pastor. I want to model for you what I hope that you would do. Trust people with ministry. Guess what? If you want it, you got it. I know how many times, Jeff, people come to me and they go, hey, I've got an idea for ministry. Now, I know what that used to mean. They used to mean, Jimmy, I've got an idea of ministry for you. Well, I'm not that guy anymore. 
Listen, I will go to the hilt with you. I will ride and I will die with you. But if God's given you the vision, it's going to fly or it's going to flop on you. I will give you the ministry. Why? Because I only have so many hands. Empower those who lead. Man, get it. Isn't that right, Natalie? That's what I told her. Get it. Prune for a fresh focus. Jeff, we do experiments. It's one of the greatest words ever created in church life. Copyright, authentic life. We do experiments. You know what's great about an experiment? If it goes, we go, it was just an experiment. Sometimes they go really good. Sometimes, meh. It's in the meh. You got to be willing to prune that thing back. Prune for fresh focus. Establish reasonable qualifications. You don't have to go to seminary to teach a Sunday school class. And then lastly, finally give ministries to younger people. Amen. Mm. I'm going to tell you what. Isn't that right, Jared? Jared was uh, on campus earlier this week. And rumor came to me that Jared had led Sunday school at least twice in our student department during uh, the Chuckster's recover. And I looked at Jared, and, Jared, what did I tell you? Yeah, Tuesday, yeah. I did say a lot. All right, let me refresh him and you. I said, hey, Jared. I said, I heard you've been teaching. He goes, yeah. I go, okay. I feel you. I said, uh, you're on the clock. And he goes, well, what do you mean? I said, you, adult Sunday school class, soon. And he goes, oh, okay. I said, I'm not playing, bro. So you got to speak the language. I said, I'm not playing, bro. That's right. And it's Ronnie, he, you're on the clock. The reporter's hat, let's go quick. Woo, I've gone long. Pastors outfit themselves with reporter's hat by representing the church and the larger community. Pastors live in fishbowls both inside the church and outside the church. That just is part of the job. The reporter's hat is one of the more important items the pastor's wardrobe today. The various audiences watching a church will get information in some way, whether correctly or wrongly. The world is very curious about the church. It's the pastor's job to communicate the right information to those who desire to know it. Amen? Listen, I want you to know. I want them to know. Listen, whatever. So let's define our publics. There's our ministry team, our elders, our deacons, and our volunteers. They all need the information. As clear and concise and consistent as possible. Our church family, the in-person, the online person, and the church at large, you go, who's that? You don't know the number of people who are out there who call ALF home who aren't here right now for whatever reason. They're the church at large, and they need to know what's going on. They need to know they're welcome and wanted here anytime. So one Sunday morning, they may wake up and they go, you know, gosh, I think I want to go back to church. And here they are. The larger community, the city, the county, uh, the digital, and the businesses. And then lastly, and sometimes local community officers. If you or someone you ever know, uh, someone you know ever have a question, 
please ask. Can I just say this from the bottom of my heart and Josh's heart and Chuck's heart and Jeff's heart? If you ever have a question, please ask. If someone you know has a question, hey, I heard that Jimmy, man, he's looking for a new church. Huh? Come ask me. That stuff gets generated all the time. Listen, if you ever have a question, you ask. Because here at the little ALF, we seek to be honest and transparent. Amen? I'll tell you. The devil loves to live in lies and half-truths. Remember that you are public relations person for authentic life, too. It's not just me. You are a PR in our community. Listen, if you hear something that's not true, you need to put the heel of your foot on that bad boy and just stomp it till it's good and dead. Always tell the church's story as best you know it. Hey, listen, don't, don't try to tell people what ALF's not. Listen, we are not a, a room full of perfect people. Lord knows. You just tell them what it is. It's just a group of people trying to love Jesus and trying to make a difference in the world. We like to get together. We like to have a little fun. I mean, just tell them. Just tell them the truth. Report what's true. And then lastly, the right size hat. In the course of ministry, pastors become accustomed to wearing many hats, but no pastor can wear every hat equally all the time. What a novel concept. God entrusts us with the basic commodities of time, talent, and treasures, both personally and professionally. We only have 24 hours in a day. Uh, we have talents and uh, available and people, talented people and available people, money to make the most difference inside and outside the church. Many pastors struggle with wearing hats so much as they do with sharing them. Pastors can be some of the most insecure people you'll ever meet. I told you, and it's true. You have no idea what it's like to live behind the pulpit. And uh, sometimes in that insecurity, it's very hard to hand that hat off to other people. It's true. It's a challenge. But if a pastor is really going to be successful, he's got to have the courage to hand those hats off. Because he can't wear them all the time. And one day, if the Lord tarries, what? He won't get to wear them at all. The truth is, is that when we share the hats, God is glorified. Who is the director of the church? Jesus. God is glorified. The body of Christ is built up. That's why Jared's going to be teaching Sunday school soon. And the work of the church is accomplished in extraordinary ways. God's church is bigger than one man. God's church is bigger than three men. In closing, I'm grateful to everyone who has shared in the cap carrying with me over the years. I am who I am and where I am in large part to you and your loving faithfulness. And I'm honored to serve among servants. David Platt said this, and I couldn't have said it better myself. This is how God works. He puts people in positions where they are desperate for his power. And then he shows his provision in ways that display his greatness. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this day. And Lord, we thank you for the pastors. Lord, as...
whew, as inadequate as we are. Lord, we thank you for pastors. And Father, today we pray for the pastors of our community. Father, we pray for our sister churches or who are in search of their next shepherd. Father, we pray that you would bless the leaders in these wonderful churches. Father, we pray that you would give them everything that they need to be everything you would have them to be. And Father, we pray unashamedly for their flock. Lord, that they would be what the church should be. And Lord, that through trial, tribulation, love, sacrifice, Lord, that they would come together and they would do great things for the kingdom. Lord, sharing the hats of the work that is without end, but of eternal significance. Father, we thank you for our good shepherd, Jesus, Lord, who has lived and loved and sacrificed for us. And Father, we ask that you would help us, one and all, to be great under-shepherds, Lord, trying to lead a world that is desperately lost into a relationship with him. Father, we thank you for the little ALF. We ask, Lord, that you would draw us together, call us up and out. Father, I pray that you would help us to fulfill every need in our church, every ministry opportunity that is known, Father, and those that are yet to be created. Father, help us to be pioneers, always, always, always looking for the next way, for the best way to reach a lost and dying world. Father, we love you and we thank you so much. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen.